Welcome to the Reclaim Church podcast. Thanks for tuning in. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can visit our website at reclaimchurchtx.com. Listen, uh, my, my, my word today, and I really, I really believe that I, as I was talking to your pastor and praying, I really believe I have, uh, I have a word of, uh, from the Lord for this church. And my word this morning is take heart. Say that with me. Say take heart. Come on, say it like you mean it now. Take heart. There it is right there. We, we start at 11 uh, here, so I expect everyone to be uh, fully caffeinated and awake and, and engaging, okay? All right. But this thought about taking heart or being courageous, uh, I think is necessary in our lives. I think especially uh, for us over the last couple of years with, I think about COVID and I understand like for, for me coming from LA, that's, that's a very different, uh, that's a very different thing. Uh, but I, 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 I am not, I, I'm no stranger to pain. I'm no stranger uh, to, to things. And, and I believe that life is just so hard uh, for me specifically. And I'll just share uh, kind of my personal experience over the last couple of years. Uh, one of the things that I, that, that has really gripped me is the fact that I've been in two, I, I've been in so many funerals over the last two years, uh, more funerals probably in the last two years than I've been in my entire lifetime. Uh, and I'll, I'll just kind of share about that. So um, uh, in, in uh, last year, um, I, had, uh, I had a cousin, uh, I had a cousin pass away from COVID. Uh, and and that, was, uh, that, that was, we'll call it April or May. Um, shortly after that, I had another cousin that, uh, that passed away from a, a, a drug overdose. Um, fast forward from that, uh, my grandmother, my dear grandmother, uh, my last living grandmother, she passed away in November. And, uh, uh, and, and in, in all of that, even in the Paramount Church, we had, uh, we, we've, uh, we've buried and really celebrated uh, the life of two of our leaders uh, in, in our church. And most recently in, in March, um, unfortunately, tragically, uh, I lost my father. And um, I lost my dad to, um, to un- unnatural circumstances. And as I was going through all of these things and all of these feelings and all of, all of this, uh, quite honestly, uh, like turmoil in my heart, I began to ask God, why? How many of you have asked God, why? Why is this, why is this happening? Why, is this, why, why, do, why do good things happen? Or, yeah, why, why, do, why, why do bad things happen to good people? Right, uh, they didn't do anything to deserve this. Why does this have to happen? Why, uh, why, why, uh, why do they have cancer? Why are they bat- battling through cancer? Why are they going through all these different things? And uh, and and through this, I've realized uh, this this simple thought that God is sovereign. As I've as I've walked through this pain, I've realized that the sustaining grace of God has been on my life, and really the grace of God has anchored me in this thought and this revelation of the sovereignty of God, how good God is. Regardless of a a circumstance, regardless of the situation, God remains good. Regardless of the situation, God remains faithful. Even when I question, even when I get off course, even when I'm unfaithful, God remains faithful. And so these things have just really gripped my life, really gripped my heart, and ultimately has pushed me closer to the grace of God. And now I stand uh, in the grace of God, and I realize that God has got it all figured out. 
Now, why is life hard? I believe that as I say this, many of you could connect with this, that life is hard. There's a few reasons why life is hard on us. And I'll speak just from my own experience, so I'm not talking down to anyone here. But for me, uh, life is hard. Situations that come, come up in my life, it's hard because the first thing is I have a selfish streak in my life. Immediately, when something happens in my life, I wonder, why does this have to happen to me? How many of you are, are with me this morning? Why does this thing have to happen to me? I'm trying to do all the right things. I'm, I, I'm, I'm faithful. I'm serving. I'm doing all these things. Why do these things have to happen to me? So one of the reasons why life is so hard is because, for me, I have a selfish streak. And ultimately, we're moved to self-preservation. We want to secure everything. We want to plan everything out. We want to make sure that we have it all figured out before we step out in faith. Another reason why life is hard is because for me, I'm not speaking about you, but for me, there's a certain level of hypocrisy in me. I, I, I think, and I love this discourse so much in Romans, where Paul talks in Romans 7, uh, very, very famous, I'm sure many of you know this, but he says, uh, I do not understand what I do for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do, I do. And so this is the struggle that I have in me, that it's this hypocrisy that really kind of disgust me, but it's there, and I have to struggle with it, and I'm fighting with it, and I'm fighting against these things. Another reason why life is so hard is that I don't have control of my life. Now, I'm, I'm here to, t I, I'm, I understand, I'm sure there's many of you that, that say, well, that's not necessarily true, and I get it. There's, we make decisions, we have free will and all that kind of stuff, but ultimately, you don't have control over the things that are coming into your life. And so this is why life becomes hard. I, I want to control everything. I want to be able to figure everything out. And that, that's, just not the, that's just not the reality for us. And then the last thing, and maybe some of you uh, could, could relate here, that my emotions get the best of me sometimes. Come on. How many of you are emotional folks? Come on, raise your hand. All right. There, there it is. Some honest hearts this morning. That sometimes our emotions get the best of us. And we act crazy. And we respond out of fear. And we're nervous. And we're anxious and all of these all of those things I, I want to kind of paint a picture for uh, for us this morning and this is Jesus talking to his disciples and if you read in, in John chapter 13 all the way through to 16 uh, Jesus is is ministering to his disciples and this is what he's doing he's in he's infusing them with faith so he begins to tell them the things that are to come he begins to tell them that uh, I'm gonna have to go to to a place that you can't come with me uh, he begins to tell them that you're going to be persecuted you're going that, that they're coming for you, all of these things, and he's doing all of these things for a purpose. This is how he closes that discourse. Again, in three chapters, Jesus is ministering to his disciples, and he closes it by this. He says in John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. How many of us need peace this morning in our minds? How many of us need peace this morning in our hearts, in our, in, 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 in our lives? He says, I've told you these things so that in, uh, in me, you may have peace. He says, he goes on, he says, in this world, there will be trouble. How many of you have experienced trouble in this world? In this world, uh, you will have trouble, but take heart. Say that with me. Say, but take heart. Come on, say it again. But take heart. For I have overcome the world. That's a good place to give God some praise. That's a great place to give God some praise. 
He says, he says, in me you'll have peace. In this world there will be trouble, but take heart. Be of good courage. Be encouraged. Have faith because I have already overcome the world. This is, this is the thing that I want to say to you this morning is that despite what, you're, despite what you're experiencing, despite what's ahead for you, that you are already victorious in Christ Jesus. If you have Christ Jesus in your life, if you're serving God, you are already victorious. All right, the right side got that. But you're already victorious. I love the scripture Paul talks about. Paul talks about, he paints a picture of us walking in a, in a victory procession with Christ. As Christ walks ahead of us, we're following in this victory, in this parade of victory, in this procession. This is the Christian life. This is how each and every one of us should be living our lives today. And so this morning, I want to infuse you with courage. I want to infuse you with faith because this is, this is it. The, the greatest danger to the gospel, the greatest danger to the church today is not death. If the saint dies, what happens? Go to glory. To be absent in body is to be present with the Lord. So the greatest danger of the church today is not death. That's actually a celebration, and that's a graduation, a promotion. But the greatest danger to the church today, the greatest danger to the, to the church today is apostasy. Now, apostasy, ultimately what that means is that you would turn away from the faith. And so the greatest danger for your life this morning is not all of these troubles that we're talking about because you have victory in them already. The greatest danger is that you would become complacent and content in this life and turn away from the faith. That's the greatest danger of this church is that you would become complacent and you would turn away. You would say, it feels good, it's cool, but I'm busy. I got something better to do. I think about Nehemiah when he was, uh, when he was moved to go and rebuild the walls. And uh, ne Nehemiah, he, the favor of God was on Nehemiah. He goes to King Darius. King Darius says, whatever you need, I'm going to supply it for you. Go and build. So Nehemiah goes and he starts to build. And, and what happens? The people are, are they're, they're fired up about it. They, he's, got, he's, got his, he's got his crew. They're building. And little by little, they become complacent in their life. And they start taking the resources that God, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say something right here. They begin to start taking the resources that God provided and begin to build their own life and not, not stay the course in the mission. This is the greatest danger of the church today. And so there's three things that I want to point to. For number one is we have to have certainty in God's kingship. This means that we have to have courage, we have to have faith that God is sovereign, that, there, that none of this stuff, whatever you're experiencing today, whatever you're going to experience tomorrow or in the future, that it doesn't surprise God. That God is sovereignly working all of these things out. He's foreordained these things to happen. He's preordained you to do what you're, what you're called to do, and none of these things surprise God. I, I found this quote by, uh, by, by, uh, by a pastor. He says, Christian, Christian courage inflamed and informed by the glory of God will be the undoing of every empire against the kingdom of God. Christian courage inflamed. What is he saying? A Christian that is passionate for the things of God, a Christian that is passionate to move the kingdom of God forward will be the undoing of every empire against the kingdom of God. 
Romans 11, 33 through 36, Paul says, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts, who knows enough to give him advice, and who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. I was thinking about this during the time of worship and praise where there was like this throne room manifestation of the presence of the Holy Spirit. How many of you felt that? And I began to look around. And I'm, a, I'm sorry. I, I do. I look around. I survey because I want to see how people are connecting to God. And I was, I, I, I'll be honest, I was a little bit, uh, I was a little bit disappointed as I looked around and I saw, here's the, here's the presence of God. In the presence of God is everything that you need. Here's the presence of God. And I, I don't see folks that are necessarily connected to that. They don't necessarily see, see what's going on here. And I want to, I want to caution you. I want to help you to understand that in that presence, as we engage the Lord, that he'll give us everything that we need. You may feel like, you, you may feel like you're lacking something in the presence of the Lord, he will give you everything that you need. He'll fill you uh, to overflowing. And so listen, God, God's kingship could be defined three ways. It's God's reign through God's people over God's place. God's reign through God's people over God's place. So God's reign, what does that mean? So God, uh, God's reign is that, that he would establish his kingdom here on earth. How? Through you and I. His kingdom would be established here. It, it, go, it goes back to the very, first, uh, the, the very first humans, Adam and Eve. And what was the call? What was the commission to Adam and Eve that, they would, uh, that God created them, that they would subdue the earth, right? That they would multiply. They would subdue the earth and that they would multiply. And this is the call. This is really the, the first creation. This is the model that each and every one of us should be living out right now. And so his kingdom, listen, God's kingdom is not the result of human potential or effort, but the intervention of his royal grace into a sinful and broken individual. I don't care how anointed a, a certain individual is. I don't care how gifted they are. I don't care how strategic they could be in planting and forecasting and all these different things. Nothing happens without the sovereign grace of God. Nothing happens without the grace of God. So you could be, uh, you could be skilled, you could be anointed, you could be all of these different things, but if God is not moving through it, that labor is in vain. The next thing is God's people. And so God the creator, he, re he reigns over all of his creatures, but he also reigns through each and every one of us, you and I. This was his design from the very beginning, that he would reign through you, that you would establish the kingdom of God wherever you went, in the marketplace, at HEB. I know, I know about HEB now. That, you, that, 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 God would, that God's kingdom would move through you in these places. That you would be moved, that you would see that signs, miracles, and wonders would follow the saints of God. That as you're at the marketplace and you see someone that's broken, you would go and pray and you would see God touch them. That you would see those that, that are sick or maybe even lame, that you would go over and pray with them and see them not get raised up out of that wheelchair. It, that God's reign would come through each and every one of ours. That we would activate the kingdom of God in each and every one of us. 
I, I love my, my, this is what my pastor says all the time. He says that, he, he says that we're, we're natural people doing supernatural things. That we're just common folks. We're, we're, we're not professionals. We're, we, we, we don't necessarily know exactly what we're doing. We're following a pattern that was laid out for us in the scripture. But, but we are just natural people be, being used by a supernatural God doing supernatural things. That's all it is. And so the, the last thing is God's reign, and God's reign is a saving reign. I want to explain this to you, that we are all saved from something for something. We are saved from something for something. So this, what does that mean exactly? Well, what that means is that as God, how many, how many are saved and sanctified by the blood of Jesus Christ in the house? All right. All right. Before we leave, I'm going to get the rest of you. But listen, listen, you're saved from something for something. What does that mean? That means that you're saved from your sin. You're saved from the broken state that we were all in. We're saved from that for service in the kingdom of God. So you're not saved just to get saved and then build a nice, uh, build a nice family, build a nice house, get a nice career, and uh, and live in what I call kumbaya. You just live like in never ever land, and and it, things are great, and and all that kind of stuff. That's not what the call is. We're saved from something for something. You're saved from your brokenness to be an agent of restoration to someone else. That's, that's what you're saved for. So we're saved from death for life. We're saved from shame for glory. We're saved from slavery for freedom. We're saved from the kingdom of darkness and for the kingdom of light. See, we're saved from something for something. My goodness. This is incredible. So this, what, this, what this means is it's, it's a new life and a new identity in this new kingdom. The, the next thing is God's place. And uh, I, I got to move quickly here. But, but listen, the Bible is a rescue story. We're talking about God's place. The Bible is a rescue story, not about necessarily God rescuing sinners from a broken creation, but about him rescuing them for a new creation. And so we're, we're rescuing from something for something so that we could be in service to God. And so the message of the kingdom isn't an escape from earth to heaven, but God's reign coming from heaven to earth. We want to bring heaven down to earth. Wherever we go, we want to establish the dominion of God. Wherever we go, if you're going to the workplace, you're going to your school, wherever you're at, we want to establish the dominion of God, and we want to take heaven and bring it down right here. I felt like we brought heaven right down here during our praise service. This is it. And the focus of God's reign is his people, and the scope of God's reign is all of creation. And so that's it. That, that's the first thing is that we have to have certainty in, uh, in God's kingship. The next thing is that we have to have confidence in our call. We have to have confidence in he, he accomplished many, uh, many uh, uh, marvelous things for the Lord. But he was, just, he was just a broken individual. And so Moses went through a lot of the things I believe that you and I go through. The first thing that he went through was this thought about I'm not enough or inadequacy. How many of us have ever felt like we're just not enough, like we're inadequate, whatever God has put in front of us, I just don't have it all together. I, I, I'm not good enough for that. I, don't, I can't do that. 
And so Moses says in Exodus 3.11, this is uh, the word of the Lord comes to, 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 to Moses in a burning bush. This is supernatural. It says, uh, Moses' response is, who, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Listen to this. The call of God that came to Moses. We're talking about having confidence in our call. The call of God that came to Moses was supernatural. Would you agree? A burning bush is speaking to you. I, I, I've not had that experience. If you have, let's talk about that after service. So it was, it was supernatural. And I would imagine in the presence of God in that moment, as, as God is giving him this mandate, this big call, that he realized the frailty of who he was, the frailty of humanity. He understood the brokenness that he had in his life. And I believe that every sin, I believe that that murder and every other sin that he ever created in his life came flooding back into his mind in that moment. I believe that there's, there's those that are here this morning that sometimes you feel like you're not good enough to lift your hands in the presence of God because you feel like uh, you've just gone too far, that you've just done too much, that God is disappointed in you. I'm here to tell you this morning that God loves you, that God desires for your worship. God desires you to come and worship him. And so here's Moses. He realizes in this moment the brokenness of his state. And he says, I, because of that, I'm disqualifying myself. I, I can't do it. I'm not good enough. And I want to tell you this morning that God uses uh, broken people all over the place. I, I, I share, I testified on myself. I look at, I look at scripture and we, we know about Jonah. We know about Peter. We know about all of these folks, Samson, Gideon. We know all of these folks that were absolutely broken vessels and God used them for the kingdom. I'm here to tell you uh, this morning that God will use you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what happened. Doesn't matter what happened. Doesn't matter your failures. Doesn't matter the things that have gone on in your life. God is looking for a person that would surrender and say, just use me, God. I'm here. I'm available. Just use me. I'll say yes. I acknowledge the yes that your pastors made. And moving their family, everything that they knew from Los Angeles, this is all they knew. Knowing This is all they knew. And they answered the call. And they said Yes. And they showed up in huddle, and look at all of you. Look at all of this. this. Look what the Lord has done this morning. And so, listen, I want to encourage you in this, that the call is not about you. It's about God. This is the faith, this is the confidence that we can have in our call that it's not about me. Because when I look at myself, I, I understand the brokenness that, that's in me. I understand the hypocrisy. I understand uh, all of these things in me. But it's not about us. It's about God. It's not about your ministry. It's not about your expression. It's not about your gifting or anointing. Ultimately, it's about God, and it's about moving his agenda forward. The next thing is that as Moses was ministering, uh, he said that, uh, that, that people won't believe him. People won't believe him. And uh, he says, he says uh, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. And, uh, and I love this, that God doesn't, God doesn't dismiss his excuse. God doesn't say, yeah, you're right. You know what? I may have got that right. You're right. You, you can't really speak well. Um, maybe I got this one right. He doesn't, he, he doesn't, he, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't do that. He doesn't dismiss the excuse, but he equips Moses to overcome it. I'm here to tell you that whatever it is, whatever excuse you've, co you've come up with in your own mind, that God will equip you to achieve whatever he's called you to do. The next thing 
The next thing that Moses uh, struggled with was his qualification. He said that I'm not qualified. How many of you have? How many of you have maybe said that in your life? I'm not qualified. I just I I don't have the skill. I don't have the education. I don't have the experience. Whatever that is. And here's Moses saying, I'm I'm just not qualified. And ultimately, what he was saying in uh, in Exodus 4:13, he says, just use anyone but me. Right, so 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 God is there. Understand this discourse. Uh, he's given him an excuse, and God is giving him provision every single time. And 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 so finally, he says, "Well, just use anyone but me. Anyone but me will do. I'm that broken. I'm that messed up. Anyone else will do." And I'm here to tell you that God uh, that God qualifies the disqualified. God qualifies the disqualified. The next thing is that we have to have courage. In our culture now, again, I understand that uh, for me specifically, coming from California, coming from Los Angeles, our culture is a little bit different. Uh, <laughs> it's a little bit different, but nevertheless, we have to have courage in our culture. Whatever's going on in your life, I, I look across this room, and there's those that I'd imagine that are in either high school or college, or maybe those that are in the workplace. Whatever's going on, uh, I'm here to tell you, you know this, that the spirit of this age is coming and. It's this antichrist spirit that is completely, uh, completely opposed to the agenda of the kingdom of God. If you're not feeling out of place, if you're not feeling uh, 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 some level of persecution, uh, I would question how you're living your life out. The spirit of this age is raging against the kingdom of God, and it requires courage in this culture. So courage isn't the absence of fear, but it's acting in spite of it. It's looking at those things that are hard. Maybe there's a decision. Maybe there's something in your life that God is calling you to do, and you're looking at that, that thing, and you're saying, it just doesn't add up. I don't know how that's going to happen. Courage doesn't even happen until you feel like there's something that's so overwhelming that you can't accomplish. It's only in that moment that you can have courage. And so courage isn't the absence of fear. Uh, absence of fear, it's acting in spite of it. And so I, I, the last person that I want to look at is Paul. And uh, uh, Paul in Acts 23, 11, just a little bit of context here. Uh, Paul just testified about Jesus. And uh, <laughs> he testified about Jesus, and he starts a riot, okay? And he gets beat and thrown in prison. Not, not only that, he, he enrages so many people that there's 40 assassins that have vowed to not eat or drink until they kill Paul. This is, this is, this is the story, all right? This is the, 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 the background. And so here's Paul, and he's in prison, okay, after he just testified about Jesus. In Acts 23, 11, it says, the following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, take courage or take heart. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so must you also testify in Rome. Now, what did that mean? That meant that as he did what he did today, he was going to have even a, a tougher call to testify in Rome. He knew ultimately that when he went to Rome that he was going to die. And so Jesus comes and appears to Paul in bodily form. Now, how many of you, how many of you would, would agree that if Jesus uh, arrived to you in bodily form and appeared to you that you'd be encouraged? Okay, some of us. I would be very encouraged. I'd, I'd be blown away, okay? I, I've, never, I've never experienced that, okay? Um, so that's not a common experience for the, for the believer, I don't think. Uh, maybe I need to pray a little bit more. But I would be encouraged by that. 
So we know that Paul is a courageous man. We know that he went on missionary trips and established these churches and really gave his life and everything that he knew for the kingdom of God. So he championed this message uh, uh, as, as many, uh, as he was tortured, beaten, shipwrecked. He talks about all of these different things. And he did all of this because, uh, because of the call and the mandate that God put on his life. And so I was, the, the story as I was reading it and as I was praying got me thinking about how courage works. And I wonder wondered, did Jesus appear to Paul just to deposit courage, only to deposit courage? Did, did he do that, uh, that he needed in, so, uh, in him so that he could go on? Uh, and, and I would have to conclude this, and I, I want to explain this just a little bit, that, that Jesus did not just appear to Paul to encourage him in that moment. That, that's, that, that's not what it is. Because if all it took was, a, was an encounter with Jesus, then, then I would question why, why is it that we could come into a place like this, have an encounter with the Lord week after week after week on Sundays, on Saturdays, on w- whatever days you guys gather, uh, that, that we would have this encounter with the Lord, but immediately as we walk out, uh, we're not transformed. We're still living a life of defeat. We're still living a life of uncertainty. We're still living, we're, we're still tight with nervousness and anxiety. So if it's just an experience, just an encounter with the Lord, I'm here to tell you, I don't think that that's necessarily enough. Why did Jesus have to appear? To Paul? Paul was already in, in, infused with the Holy Spirit. He was already infused with the Holy Spirit. He was already saved. Why did, why did Jesus have to come and, and, and meet him again? I'm here to tell you that what Jesus was doing in this moment was engaging his will. So it's not just enough to come. See, if you're coming in on Sundays and you're uh, uh, you're experiencing this great praise team, right, and this great this great atmosphere where where the Holy Spirit is here, but if you're not being transformed, then that that begs the question: What else is there? Now, I'm not here to say that there's anything else needed in salvation. Okay, in Christ, you are fully saved, secured, and all of that. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. So don't misunderstand what I'm saying, or don't hear something that I'm not saying. But I am saying that in that moment, in that deposit of faith, in that deposit of encouragement, that it takes a will for us to go out and do something with it. Would you agree with me this morning? If, if it was just coming in here and uh, uh, experiencing God and just going off and, and living the same way, I don't know that we would move. I don't know that we would move the kingdom of God forward that way. And so, so here it is. So Jesus' appearance to Paul strengthened him, and the Bible says that. So in addition to ex- exercising our faith to develop our spiritual strength, God will give us strength as we ask for it. Isaiah 40, uh, verses 29 through 31, it says, For he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired. And young men will fall in exhaustion, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And so here it is, this courage, this, this, uh, this infusion and encouragement requires the next step, which is strength or courage and so courage really is the step beyond strength and it seems that that's where Jesus was moving Paul to was okay you've just got beat down um, and I'm here to encourage you that 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 the mandate that the next thing in front of you is going to be even more difficult than what you've just experienced I'm here to encourage you in that and ultimately I'm here to move you move your will 
Move your heart, move your, your, your decision into action. Will plus action equals courage. Will plus action equals courage. Because the reason, the reason this happens is we have to engage our will. We have to engage the decisions that we make. See, when we leave here today, we have to engage our will not to make the same decisions or the same mistakes that we made yesterday. We have to engage our will, we have to make decisions, and we have to be intentional about how we're living. And so Moses, you see this kind of repeating throughout the Bible. Moses calls this out of Joshua. He says, be strong and courageous, for you must go. Say, you must go. You, you must take your will and put it into action with this, with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. David called it out in Solomon. He says, be strong and courageous or take heart and do the work. Turn to someone and say, do the work. Turn to your second choice and say, do the work. Do the work. Do the work. Take heart, be strong and courageous, and do the work. Jesus' disciples called it out of a blind man. When Jesus called to the blind man, he, it says, and Jesus stopped and said, "Come, uh, call him here. So they called the blind man and saying to him, take courage or take heart, stand up. He is calling for you. And so this, this calling, this, uh, this encouragement always moves us to a place of action. We have to engage the will and put action behind it. And this is what ultimately equals courage for us. So courage requires activating our will, and for Christ followers, you and I, for the saints of God, it's not just for our raw willpower that gets us to courage, but our will in collaborating in faith with God's purposes and plans. And so here's Paul. He saw that, uh, that, that he did a great thing there, and, and, uh, uh, and he gets beat up and thrown into prison, and then the call comes, and the mandate comes, an even greater call, an even greater, more dangerous mandate, and we understand that Paul had to collaborate his will his willpower with the faith that God was going to be with him, that God was sovereign, that God was going before him, that God, that this was God's perfect will, and he collaborated in faith with God's purposes and plans. I love, I, I love your, your, your statement here in this church, and I, I, I modified, if that's okay, uh, Philippians 2.13. The Bible says, or Paul says it this way. He says, for God is working in you, each and every one of us, giving you the desire and the power, the desire is a, a will. It's engaging the will. Giving you the desire and the power to do whatever it takes to please the Lord. I'll read that one more time. For God is working in each and every one of us. Giving us the desire and the power, the ability to do whatever it takes to please the Lord. And so while the assassination attempts were coming and this, this, this mandate, this thing that was ahead of him, you see, Paul understood the, these things and he understand that, that God is working these things out, that God, that th this passion that I have in my life, it's God-ordained, it's, it's God-infused. And he understood that God has given me the power to do whatever it takes, that his life would be a pleasing, a, a love offering unto God. That it would be a sacrifice, a love offering unto God. 
And so calling on the strength that God provides, we engage our will to overcome fear and act in faith. I, I want to say that one more time for some of us. So calling on the strength that God provides each and every one of us, we engage our will. That's our decision making. That's our thought process. That's our lifestyle. I think about it for, for our lives, for my life specifically. I've made decisions in my life that are in accordance with God's plans and purposes. The, where I live today, the, the job that I have, uh, the, the way that I spend my time, the way that I'm raising my children, the way that I lead my home, all of these things are in accordance, they're in alignment with God's plans and his purposes. And so, so calling on this, we, we understand and we engage our decision making, our will to overcome fear and act in faith. Now, with that, I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Come, I'm going to wrap this up, and I know I gave you guys a different cue, uh, but the worship team could come and make their way up here. I want to. I, I want to encourage us in some of the ways that we are able to cultivate courage in our lives. And and listen, when I think about the plan and the purpose that the king that 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 the church of God has on this earth, many of us can make this a lot more complicated than what it needs to be. Many of us get worked up, and I think about the church in Corinth, and, and uh, I, I was just doing a study on, on Paul, but I was thinking about the church in Corinth, and the church in Corinth was a, was a jacked-up church, but they were gifted, and, 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 and they were operating in the gifts, and they were doing all of these things, and, and, and it was, uh, I believe that it was like revival-ish every single time that they came together. And, and the thing about the, Cor the Corinthian church, as they were empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the work of, of God on earth, that they got caught up in all these other things. And here's Paul. Paul comes back and he kind of realigns them and he says, hey, you know, all of these things, speaking in tongues and, and, and signs, miracles and wonders and prophecy and all of those things are good things. You should be doing those things. But if we're captivated and, 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 and we're, we stand in awe of all of these things, and this is our greatest pursuit, that we would be able to do all of these things, that we're missing the point. This is the point. This is the plan and purpose for the kingdom of God, that we would, that, that we would rescue sinners from hell. It's a simple truth. You see, we, we, get, we like to complicate things. We like to talk about our our giftings and our expression. This is kind of the selfishness in humanity. We, we want to know, like, what is our spiritual gifts? And there's, like, these, these tests that you can make, and then you can go tell everyone about how gifted you are. But the simple gospel is this, that we would rescue sinners, those that are broken, those that are lost, to the kingdom of God, that we would snatch them, literally. Literally, we would snatch them from hellfire and bring them and populate heaven that way. That is it. That is it. And, and, and week after week, and listen, I, I'm so honored to be able to minister in my role at our church. I'm an assistant pastor to our senior leader, not only in our church, but in our network. I'm, I'm privileged. I, I'm, I'm honored. I, I, I can't believe it. And in that, I get an opportunity to minister to other people, and I'm counseling people, and I'm, uh, I'm helping leaders that are leading uh, ministries and all, all, of this, all of these things. And I realize that the simple mandate is that we would help to see those that are broken restored. It really doesn't, all this other stuff that we get caught up in, in, in our culture, specifically in our church cultures, really is, it really is a good thing, but it's a secondary thing if we're not seeing souls saved. 
It's a secondary thing. If you're not seeing souls saved, this is the mandate that God has given each and every one of us. And so ways that we cultivate courage in our culture, the first thing is that we meditate, memorize, and declare the word of God over our lives, over our families, and over this world. The word of God has divine power to demolish strongholds. It's alive and active, sharper than any two, uh, any double-edged sword, and it's God-breathed that we could do is we have to listen to God's voice. We have to ask God, God, give me sensitivity. Give me discernment to hear your voice. How do we do that practically? You read the word of God. How, how else do we do that practically? You listen to your pastors and your leaders. I'm going to say that one more time. Uh, that didn't hit. You hear the, 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 the Lord's voice through his word, through time and prayer. But practically you hear that through those that have the godly counsel through your pastors, through your leadership, you go to them and say, I, I believe that God is speaking this. Will you pray with me? Can you help me and, 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 and lead me? The Bible says that there's safety in a multitude of counsel. Who are you, who's your advisors? If it's your, uh, if, if, if it's your coworker, your buddy at work, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work out for you very well. But you're surrounded by a great leadership team. You're surrounded by great pastors and hearing the, the voice of God through them is a way that we could cultivate courage in our culture. We have to understand and realize that even encouraging experiences can't outweigh the engagement of our will in the process of courage. Even this, these experiences, the experiences can't outweigh our will, the decisions that you're making every single day. So you may say, well, I'm a good person. I come to church every Sunday. That action alone is not going to, to lead you to a life of sanctification, what God has called us to live, a life of holiness, a life of effective use for the kingdom of God. And so like Paul, each and every one of us have to have this will plus action and get it going. And the last thing is that we have to ask God to help us identify the fears that are holding us back from taking courage. I believe that there's a call and a destiny on every single believer. This is, this is my conviction. This is what we believe, that every single person in this room has a destiny of God, unique to you, that God has called you, God has uniquely formed you, crafted you, empowered you to your specific call. And so we have to ask God, God, help me to identify what are those things that are holding me back. This is, I love this. My pastor says this often. He says, when you feel like you've hit a, a wall, how many, how many sometimes we just feel like we have, I, I can't get over the hump, uh, like there's, like every time I, I, I will to do these great things for God, but every time I set in motion the, the activities to do that, I hit this wall. This is what my pastor says. He says that, that you're not stuck. There, that obstacle, you're not stuck. You've just stopped. You stopped, you stopped pursuing God. You stopped your prayer life. You stopped reading the word. You stopped believing that God actually called you. You're not stuck. You're not stuck in your situation. Your situation is not so big that it's overpowering you. God, God said, Jesus said that he's overcome the world. So you're in victory. You're walking in victory. So it's not that you're stuck. You just stopped. You stopped doing the things that had you on fire for God. You stopped doing the things that had you passionate for the things of God. You stopped doing the things that, that have you passionate to see the kingdom of God advance in your life. You're not stuck. You just stopped. And so this is my, this is my encouragement to you, is that you would just take the next step. How do we have courage in our culture? We take will plus action. That equals courage. 
And so we take that courage, we take that encouragement that, that, that God has given us, we take the word of the Lord, we take all of these things, and we just take the next step. Now I realize that as we're sitting here, the next step looks different for each and every one of you. The next step for me looks very different than the next step for you. But whatever that next step is, you just have to take it. You just have to do it. The moment you leave this place, whatever it is, you just take that next step. Maybe, maybe that next step is maybe I need to commit to this church. Maybe I've kind of been visiting. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like one foot in, one foot out. But maybe the next step is, you know what, you know what, pastor, you know what, small group leader, you know, I, I'm committing. I, me and my family, we're going to be here. We, we, we realize what God is doing in this place, and we want to commit to that. Maybe for, for some of us that have been here some time, the next step is, you know what, I need to serve. I, 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 Pastor, Pastor Mike said it so well in his offering. Now, David, he understood that the presence of God, that, that the power of God, that the blessing of God costs something. And, and, and the cost for each and every one of us, the believer, is that we'd give our life in service to the kingdom of God. And so for, maybe, for, maybe for some of us here, the next step is that I, I, I want to serve. I want to get, get involved. I want to be a greeter. I want to work in the cafe. I want to work in the children's church. Come on. That, come on, that's a, that's a real mandate from God, that you work in the children's church. That's always a struggle. But whatever the next step is, that you just take it. It truly is that simple. I want to pray, I, I want to pray this morning. If you would just bow your head and, and close your eyes. Thanks for tuning in to the Reclaim Church Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like to stay up to date with the church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX.